anything, I want her to be like, Dad, you won't believe it. I took a dump on some dude's leg. I'll be like, nice. You did that to me once when you were a kid. So proud of you. I know what that's like. Did he call in his mom to clean it up? <laughs> Honey! Because I called in your mother. Because, yeah, I called you. Did your mom come clean it up, too? <laughs> I had your mom clean the poop. <laughs> the Doug Cochran story. <laughs> <laughs> Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to Mind Gap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And happy Thursday. It's a Thursday. It's, it's a, Thursday. a Thursday. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. It's fucking Thursday. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Get your nips wet. It's Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday, y'all. Bring the hammer down. Y'all near up your butt. I, we just turned into like a morning shock jock radio hour. I'm very sorry for How that. How exhausting would it be to be those guys? Dude, I would hate that like when i, I thought was, you say i would love that i, was I like, would Ugh. so get down on that <laughs> oh. no when i was in college uh i got my degree in radio and when i was in college i i i thought that's what i, I was like oh, i'm gonna have one of those morning shows which is like the morning madhouse and i got like two years out of college and I went no absolutely <laughs> not like i because i would i would just ingest it all the time i'd listen yeah. to what you wanted to do and after two years of listening i'm like god this is so miserable well a, i would like to do a morning show would be fun yeah but not the you know it's stinky in the pinky like it no just a it's i'm a, I'm a morning person but man getting up that early and doing that every day and trying yeah, to be like bah, 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 bah. right Ugh. Just a normal, like a mind gap that early would sure. be fine for me. Yeah. Even though we do kind of get kooky. Yeah. I still think I could do a mind gap that early in the morning. I think we could too. With with a little bit more leaning towards like guests. Yeah. And things, maybe some other stuff. Obviously, we'd have to prepare more. Yeah. But we, I think I could I could stomach that. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's also just that. Those guys also just you know the the sound effects and just the they're there to. The reason why they call them shock jocks. Yes. They're there to give like, wow, yeah. kooky and stupid shit. And I'm just like, it's it's so phony. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just like, is. no, pass. Yeah. And I know a lot of comedians hate, hate doing morning radio. Right. Because they're just like, this is so dumb. Because they're like, uh, what kind of bits do you want to do? Do you want to do some bits? And they're like, no, I don't want to do bits. I don't want to preload bits. I want to fucking talk. the cannon. Yeah. I just want to talk about stuff. And like, yeah. what kind of stuff you get? And they try to like get some stuff pre-ready to go to talk about. And he's like, I don't want to well, do that. Well, that's what every talk show does, though. Agreed. They got the, they've got the producer who will do the pre-interview questions and everything. Yeah, agreed. But it's like, you know, like, like there's Conan, obviously. And Conan will, you know, set up all that stuff for these guys yeah. to, to talk about and whatever. But like... Conan... Most of them, I'll say, I'm not even going to call Conan up. Most of them don't aren't. There's not a graceful way to do that, where it doesn't just look like, yeah. Oh, so he said, here's a list of topics that I can riff on, and yeah. so you're like, so horse racing is kind of that's popular yeah. now. Yeah. So <laughs> like, you uh, you just learned how to ro- ride a motorcycle. Tell us about that. Right. You yeah. Know, it's like okay, great segue. You know. <laughs> You, you bought a drone? I heard there's some weird stuff that happened with the drone recently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, now that you mentioned it, fuck drones. Like, you know. Right. Um, I, uh, 
I do like Eric. Uh, what was Eric and Kathy in the morning was mm-hmm. now it's just Eric. Eric in the morning. Eric, Melissa, and Whip. I don't know, but they that that is a little bit more subdued because it's on the mix. Mm-hmm. It's got a little bit more of just the. They'll talk about funny stories, but there's yeah. not like the. Yeah, yeah. It's it's less of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, radio is such a weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is my podcast rule, man. Yeah, podcasts are way more. I realized how much I listen to podcasts. Like, I was just thinking about the, that today. I was just like, man, like, I listen to so much, and I feel like I, it's really helping me learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> As I listen to things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just. <laughs> we could make this just like that. Ugh. You're welcome. You're welcome, audience. Yeah. You know what else you're welcome for, audience? What's that? The Daily Specials, brought to you by Elephant and Castle at what? 185 North Wabash. Uh, that's right, Mind Gap, brought to you by Elephant and Castle, 185 North Wabash. Let's talk about their Daily Specials. What do they got on the Daily? First of all, they've got One and Done Monday. What is that? Is basically, a keg taps at 5 p.m. every Monday, and they pour it until it's gone. They got Tin Up Tuesdays on all tins. What's a tin, do you ask? I don't know. What's metal? And do you drink out of it? That's a tin. Ta-da. We got wine. You know, you know those things Billy Goats eat in the old cartoons? Yeah, right? Yeah. They're talking about kicking a can down the road. There That's it kind is. of it. Yeah. You know? Put liquor in it and drink it. There you go. Wine Down Wednesdays. You got wine by the glass, which is $1 off. And you got wine by the bottle, which is half price. Can't beat that. Goose Out Thursdays. Goose Island on drought or bottle. Also draft. I learned that. Uh, 25% off. And then Saturday and Sunday, for all you brunch motherfuckers out there, you got mimosas <laughs> and Bloody Marys. $5 a pop. So aggressive. Got to check that shit out. And also, while you're here, be sure to check out, you know, the reason why they come check out Elephant and Castle, because uh, Harry Potter was filmed here. It was. Don't know if you knew that. Those uh, scenes down to Hogsmeade when they're getting that butterbeer, mm-hmm. filmed right here at Elephant right and Castle. Right here at Elephant and Castle. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's it's not not a big deal. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. It's not not a big deal. It's not not a big deal. Uh, something of note, on the 26th, so a few days after this is released, Monday the 26th, Elephant and Castle will be closed the 26th <laughs> and the 27th. Oh. They're tearing down some of the history of that we've been talking about. The old Dunkirk they're gonna, history. They're going to dig. The old Harry Potter history. They're going to dig Nolan's original scripts out of the walls. Right out of the fucking walls They're going to They're going to exercise the Phil Collins demons <laughs> from, from the premises. <laughs> Phil Collins demons? From the, there's multiple of them. <laughs> there are. <laughs> they, they Do you think exist. Phil Collins is just one demon? No, no, no. He has multiple demons oh, no. coalesced together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's, I just watched a guy come out of the bathroom and like salute the mirror. Yep. Like That's, with arms wide open by this, Creed. This is and this then, is why looking at the fishbowl is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I don't like this anymore. Because he came out and he was like, with arms wide open. And then <laughs> brought his hands together and then walked away. And I was like, mm, huh? Okay. okay. No, but they are going to be doing some renovations. So the uh, banquet hall in the in the lower level where we record here, the ENC lounge as we call it. And then the upstairs, uh, new bar floor, new upholstery, new carpeting, huh. new artwork on the wall. Uh, a new um, tap tower, so that w- right when you walk in, they've got a whole bunch of taps there. They're going to be a new one of those. So you're going to be uh, doing a lot in two days. Yeah, they're, well, they're closing at night on the 25th, and then they're reopening on the 28th. So they're going to bust that's, ass. That's a lot of shit. Yeah, and it's going to be awesome. So that's cool. Check that out. So come on in and check out the new Elephant and Castle uh, on the Wednesday, the 28th. I yeah. think they're going to be. Hopefully, they'll be back open on that, that day. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Elephant and Castle. Woo! Yeah. So, uh, fun topic for today. Yeah. I'm super pumped about this. Religion. Religion <laughs> and why nobody cares. Um, 
No, uh, I've talked before a little bit about this, about empathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Justin, how would you define empathy? Uh, I would define empathy um, as the ability to understand and share feelings of another. That's so good because you're like totally prepared for that. You're just like... <laughs> Justin didn't know I was going to ask that, but he obviously had already pulled it up on his laptop. He's like, hold on a second. I did not. That was my words completely. That was not Mary Lester's words. Is it's like putting yourself in someone else's shoes, man. Yeah. For my own words, I would say empathy is uh, empathizing with someone. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Empathy is uh, feeling... Uh, trying to feel uh, what someone else is feeling exactly. is, 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 is at its base level. It, there, I feel like you could go multiple like sub definitions of it, but yeah. that at its core level, I feel like that's what it is, and yeah. then it, it's open to other interpretations. One of the core tenets is putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Sure, so the yeah. idea, but a lot of it is based on emotion. Like, in, it's empathy is a vulnerable thing because in order to truly identify with what someone's feeling, you have to put yourself in that same spot. Right. So. If someone is like, oh, man, my pet died, you need to access a memory of when one of your pets dies to really be where they are and right. to basically help them. You can't just laugh at them. You can't just be like, well, that sucks. Right. Hang in there. Right. Like, that's terrible. Like, why? You could clone it like Babs. <laughs> it's like you can, like, the whole thing is that it's it's not enough to say it sucks. It's like it sucks because I feel what you're feeling. Right. You know? Right. In that sort of regard. So. Um, really important in you know my line of work and teaching customer service and stuff like that. Very applicable. But I came across an interesting article uh, and several articles about a, a Yale psychology professor by the name of Paul Bloom. And he wrote a book called Against Empathy, The Case for Rational Compassion. And he's also written, uh, he wrote a very nice long article for The New Yorker back in 2013. Rational compassion just sounds like a a, a dick science like it's it's someone who does not understand what feelings are that or like, it sounds like this a, is rational compassion it sounds like a soft rock band you know oh yes guys put your pants on or take them off get ready for rational compassion <laughs> oh my god can we make a band called rational compassion <laughs> baby I love you rationally baby <laughs> <laughs> I understand your feelings in a logical way. <laughs> one plus two equals two. I mean, one plus one equals two. That's so much better because I do math and that's logical. <laughs> you and me makes two. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. I take it back. Let's not make Let's this bad. You know what? <laughs> Ration- I'm not into it anymore. Get ready for rational compassion. I just feel like that's like someone has to announce that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, put your right hand against your left hand and do it rapidly for rational compassion. So it's an R and B band. It's an R and B. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. I love it. So um, basically, the kind of the core argument from Bloom and a lot of this stuff is that. Well, let's just. I'll, I'll read kind of an excerpt from this. Uh, According to Bloom, empathy is responsible for much of what's cruel, biased, and unfair in human society. Bold claim, Bloom. Bleak outlook. Bold claim. He thinks the solution to making things, uh, the solution to making better decisions and thus creating a better, kinder, more equal world is to learn to override our empathy switch. Okay. Uh, So he says empathy or empathic bias drives sexism, racism, and discrimination of all sorts. Often, often, often triggering violence or war. 
So empathy triggers violence and war. Yes. Very interesting. And I'll get into some more of the specifics. I feel like we should just kind of talk through some of the things he says. And okay, we, yeah. And as I hit something, let's shout out. Let's, let's dive into it. Um, he says, empathy's narrow focus rends its tribal and vulnerable to all sorts of biases. Does he, I mean, does he back any of these things up or yes. does he just say them? Because <laughs> I can say a lot of shit. <laughs> Hey, never pet a burning dog. Never pet, a, never pee into the wind, right? <laughs> uh, he defines empathy as feeling the experiences of others, often feeling their pain, and, di- and differentiates it from kindness, compassion, and caring for others. But how? How think, does it differentiate? I think that's an important thing because empathy, as you even define it, is feeling what other people feel, mm. but it's different than providing kindness, compassion, and caring for others. So I can feel what you feel, but be a dick to you. Exactly. When people often talk ah, about the need, I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like with empathy, it's a, and maybe it's wrong for me to assume, but I feel like with empathy, there's also an assumed kindness that comes along with it. Possibly, I can't imagine someone being empathetic and also being an asshole. I feel like there's situations where I could totally feel how someone feels, like I I felt that, but still rationally differentiate kindness and compassion and everything from it. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's def- well, that's why I think he he mentions here that it's often blurred. Okay. He goes when people often often talk about the need for greater empathy, they often blur it together with these three concepts: those being kindness, compassion, and caring for others. Okay. Right. Empathy purely by itself is just being able to understand the feelings and feel what they're feeling. Okay, so he's okay, so he's really getting into the semantics of like the pure definition of empathy. Yeah. Like other because I th- I feel like as a society we lump. Uh, we lump all of that together, like he says, where it gets blurred. I, I guess, yes, from from a, a Merriam-Webster standpoint, empathy is just so straight-up feeling. But mm-hmm. if society doesn't deem it that, if society also blurs all these other things in with it, then does it does that definition cease to be accurate anymore? Well, that's a good question. Let's let's take a look at some of examples. So, why do some people respond to some misfortunes but not other? So, for example, 150 a, monkey rule. <laughs> I think I think that kind of works in with this, but you know, for example, you have a child that is trapped in a well, or you have Hurricane Katrina, Sandy Hook, the Boston Marathon bombing, mm. like all those situations. Mm-hmm. Lot of media attention, a lot of people focused on it. Uh, when Natty Hall, Natty, Jesus, when Natalie Holloway disappeared in Aruba in 2005, her story took up more television time than the genocide in Darfur. Interesting. Each day, more than 10 times the number of people who died in Hurricane Katrina die because of preventable diseases, and more than 13 times as many perish from malnutrition. Okay. In the past 30 years, there were approximately 60 mass shootings causing 500 deaths, which is about one-tenth of 1% of homicides in America. But mass murders get tons of coverage in all media. The remaining 99.9% of homicides are, unless you've heard of the victim, background noise. Okay. So. Okay. Um, interesting to kind of bring those things up. So I would. Okay. I would say how. And I'm not. I, I, it's hard to say this without feeling like I'm placing blame. But I feel like a lot of that has to do with the media attention it gets. It's sure. not. It's not the fact that people feel worse for one thing or the other. It's what is the news cycle currently feeding us? Mm-hmm. That's I think that's well, where it boils back to. To be fair, to. though, I think it's it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy because they do that knowing people are going to care about it. 
true, but... Because, because let's face it, if people don't click the links, they don't watch the news... But when that's the only thing you're reporting on, you don't really give them an option to, to watch something else. Well, they're also doing it because people are watching it. You know what I right, mean? Right, but again, I feel like that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It's like the people are watching it because that's the only thing to watch. Not necessarily. You're either going to watch it or you're not going to watch it. And most people are like, well, I want to see the news, so I'm going to have it on. True, but I mean, at the same time, if people get sick of it, they're like, all right, I've seen enough of this. They turn it off. They're like, I don't need to see another news story, things some, like that. I mean, some people do. Yeah. I, I think the... I don't know. I, I, the, the, I think we underestimate how insatiable the appetite for this kind of shit is in, in American society. Exactly. And why is there an appetite for it? Empathy. <laughs> Did I win? <laughs> Did I win? So kind of bleeding into that, it says the key to engaging empathy is what has been called the identifiable victim effect. Okay. So this economist, Thomas Schelling, f- wrote this 45 years ago, which I think is pretty telling. Let a six-year-old girl with brown hair need thousands of dollars for an operation that will prolong her life until Christmas, and the post office will be swamped with nickels and dimes to save her. But let it be reported that without a sales tax, the hospital facilities of Massachusetts will deteriorate and cause a barely perceptible increase in preventable deaths. Not many will drop a tear or reach for their checkbooks. Interesting. So you're putting a face on it. You're putting a face on the tragedy. You're putting one face so a right. lot of what a uh, uh, face you, a face <laughs> face off yes <laughs> uh you're putting nicholas cage on the tragedy so i think a lot of what this is um i'll tell another example here like psychology there's two psychologists saw similar effects in their lab they asked some subjects how much money they would uh, give to help a, to develop a drug that would save the life of one child and asked others how much they would give to save eight children the answers were about the same but when uh, the researchers told a third group a child's name and age and showed her picture, the donation shot up. Now there were they were far more uh, to one than to the eight. Okay. And then, so it got real for them. So basically they're like, yeah. whoa, this is an individual person. I need to help this individual person out. Right, okay. So, so far, I, it, it, naturally I don't feel like any of that's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we'll get into some of that. Okay. This is called leading the witness, Your Honor. Uh, and Bloom also says, empathy is like a spotlight. It zooms in on people. If I'm choosing who to help, I will be more concerned about the person who looks like me. All identity politics, whether that we're talking about uh, gender, race, color, culture, or creed, is influenced by empathic bias. We feel the pain of those in our groups and tend to blame anyone who isn't as sensible for that pain uh, for lack of feeling. So kind of what I feel like Bloom is saying is, first of all, um, it's real easy to focus on that story of the one child. Okay. He referenced also, like, you remember that kid a couple years back in San Francisco who was Make-A-Wish Foundation and the whole city, like, set him up as Batman. Oh, Batman kid, yeah. Yeah, and let him do all that sort of stuff. Awesome. Right. Awesome thing. But then you think about what if that money had gone to more than just that kid? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you go down some ideological things about, well, you know, to make that kid happy even for that moment, it, you know, priceless sure. sort of things like that. But I think what Bloom's getting at is in general, a lot of times, especially when it gets in, from that video, uh, he has, there's a great video sort of summing up something that he says. It's actually animated as he's speaking. And it says that a lot of times people will donate a little to a lot of different organizations because it makes them feel better. Right. It makes them feel good. 
But what they don't realize sometimes is that really that little bit of a donation here or there doesn't do anything. In fact, sometimes costs the charity right because the charity has to process the actual donation and the money that goes in the money and the resources that go into processing it actually yeah. negates what you did and actually maybe puts them in the hole or and it's more specifically what we're talking about in these situations people are identifying with people who look like them right and i think that probably is the strongest argument that i've heard thus far for yeah. f- like why empathy is is a uh, slanted kind of or slippery slope if you will yeah. is because <clears throat> you can you can consciously feel one way about something but you know i you know i'm a straight white man so i i cannot as much as i want to i cannot fully put myself in the position of a woman in america mm-hmm. or a black individual in america or a gay individual in america or anyone that is not exactly who i am it's impossible again as if i wanted if I wish nothing else in the world but to be able to put myself in that position and have full empathy, I still couldn't attain that because I've never been in that specific circumstance and vice versa. Like it, you can you can take that from any perspective mm-hmm. and shine the light onto any other group of people that's not that. Mm-hmm. So that that's a that's a fair point. That's a very strong point. Yeah, and in it's interesting, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit, um, but a lot of times, too, because people see that, they also overhelp. Right, because will. maybe they feel, I, I, I'm assuming that they feel guilt based off the fact that well, again, I can't empathize, or I, I, since I'll never know this, I need, to over, I need to go beyond and prove something, prove that I'm into it, prove that I'm for them. Or even that, if it's something they, they do identify with, they just will pour money into it uh, just to kind of like, I guess I'll jump ahead a little bit, but like Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. after that happened, people were so just torn emotionally over that what happened that people all around the nation started sending gifts and stuff to the town. So much so that the town was like, please stop sending them. Like, we don't need any more stuffed animals. We don't need more because they were going to a warehouse. Right. And they had to have 800 volunteers available to take these, process these, and they just sat in a warehouse. They didn't go to anybody. Right. So people were feeling good, like they were doing something nice, and they were sending it. And you think about all of that effort, all of that money was sent to a warehouse where it did little to no good. Right. That's a that that's a that's a good point. And people were doing because it, it made them feel better. They feel right. like I have to do something. I'm going to send this stuffed animal. And it's like, what about all the other deaths? You know what I mean? Paul's. I'm going to say like his first name basis. Uh, Bloom's Bloom's sort of idea is just that we need to be better. We need to be more rational when we feel this sort of stuff as opposed to, uh, and we need to think about, I, it's kind of a utilitarian approach to it. We need to think more about the greater good. What do we need to do as a human species? How can we help each other out? Again, I go back to that example of that uh, young girl in 2005 who disappeared in Aruba while there was a genocide in Darfur. I don't know all, but... What, you don't remember that? No. It was a huge, I remember my mom was talking about it like this, just who did it, who took remember. her, where'd she go? She's What's dead. Again? Natalie Holloway. Oh, wait a second. Maybe. There was like some, I don't know if he was Dutch or whatever dude, I think that ultimately got... It's always the Dutch. Always the Dutch. Um, Why are we so focused on that as opposed to this mass genocide that's happening in Darfur? Right. You know what I mean? Like, if you're you're trying to be empathic, because I didn't know Natalie Holloway. My mom didn't know Natalie Holloway. Right. So why was your mom so taken by this? She also doesn't know the people in Darfur. Right. 
Because our brains also can't really differentiate between 500 people and 5,000 people. You know, I think what it is, it may be in a, a partial too, like, like you look at it and you go, there's five, you know, however many people in Darfur, there's, you know, we'll call it, did you know what the, what the count was there? Yeah, I have no idea. Whatever. We'll say five million people, mm-hmm. right? We'll say those five million people, it's that, it's that mentality of, well, what can I do? I'm one person. There's five million of that. What 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 can I do that is going to help that won't just get lost in the shuffle? Oh, I can pay attention to this one person and send aid to help find one person. It's it's a more um, manageable number in someone's head potentially. Sure. I mean, I mean, I'm wondering if that's maybe where where some of that thought comes from too. I think a lot of it goes back to the being able to you know victim identification. You know, yeah. the tribal mentality of like, hey. I may have a daughter that's similar, you know, looks similar, you know, white yeah. blonde girl who disappeared. And it's like, what if that was my daughter and people just got hooked? Right. And it's like, you know, there's a whole genocide happening over here. And people are like, eh, why? You know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting to me, those sorts of things and, and trying to piece together, like, why is one thing more important to others? Which I think is interesting. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so... Bloom also says uh, empathic reflex can lead us astray. So uh, when perpetrators from uh, violence profit from aid, for example, uh, the taxes and quotes that warlords often demand from international relief agencies. So if they're sending them aid, they're like, oh, you have to pay us a tax, you know, in order to they'll take some of it in order to get the, the relief where it needs to go. Yeah. Uh, they're actually given an incentive to commit further atrocities mm-hmm. because we're giving them stuff. Uh, it's similar to the practice of some parents in India who mutilate their children at birth in order to make them more effective beggars. The children's oh, debilities tug at our hearts, but a more dispassionate analysis of the situation is necessary if we're going to do anything meaningful to prevent them from happening. Which I think is fucked up. I never heard that. That's like, no, I didn't. We have no a child. Idea. We're fucked. They got to be beggars. Let's disfigure them. Yeah, that's Ugh. terrifying. Yeah, horrible. They're like, well, if they're disfigured, people will give them more money because they'll yeah. feel bad. I'm like, Ugh. And part of that's true. I know it absolutely is. Like I the mean, fact that you have that that you're thinking in that capacity though is just it, it's wow, wow. I've seen enough homeless people where I'm like, if someone's like looks okay, I'm like, what are you doing out here? Yeah. Versus someone who's like, whoa, whoa, you need like, my help. You need that's, help. Yeah. Which I always told the people, I you know, it was probably mean, but the people who are not looking that good, I'm like, or who are looking fine, I'm like, dude, you gotta play the part. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Take get those nice shoes off, you know. Get some get some good stuff, and yeah, you know, show me that you're that. Um, and then it's also because also talks about politically how this sort of stuff works. Okay, typically political disputes involve a disagreement over whom we should emphasize with. So liberals argue for gun control, for example, by focusing on the victims of gun violence. Conservatives point to the unarmed victims of, of crime, defenseless against the savagery of others. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Liberals in favor of tightening federally enforced safety regulations invoke the employees struggling with work-related injuries. Their conservative counterparts talk about the small businessman bankrupted by uh, onerous requirements. So don't suppose that if your ideological opponents could only ramp up their empathy, that they would think just like you. Right, so basically they're saying, he's saying empathy can be weaponized. 100%. So it's one of those things that, uh, especially in politics, you'd be like, man, if they just had some more empathy and just just felt what I feel, they would totally understand and be on my side. Like, no, no, not necessarily. It's, it's not a matter of them having more empathy. It's a matter of them being less of a dickhead. <laughs> Is really like 
more empathy versus stop being a dildo. <laughs> I feel like that's really where we need to draw that distinction. But it's funny because that stuff gets invoked all the time. It does, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like it drives that because if you are the person, like take, for example, one of the parents whose ch- child was killed down in Florida sure. uh, recently, like for gun lobbyists, they're using them, they're using the kids. I'm sorry, the anti-gun lobbyists, the, you know, the usually right. left-leaning people are like, hey, look at this, this is what they did. Empathy. What if this was your child? Right. And of course, the other side makes perfect sense. They're like, "Look, here's here's Joe. Joe has guns, but he doesn't do anything stupid because right. he's not an idiot. He's right. not a crazy person." Yeah, you know, it's well, like we saw it on the campaign trail too when Trump oh, was yeah. talking about the uh, the coal miners and the out of work steel workers. He's like, 100%. you know, hundred percent. You're you're out of a job. You want to work? I get it. And like you're, you know, you you you. It's all about. I get. I see you, and I hear you, and I feel you. It was all all about tugging that heartstring. One hundred percent. He also sees me. Yeah. He also did the same thing with immigrants. Yeah. He's like these immigrants are killing people. Right. They're raping people. Right. They're, he's like he's using that thing. He's like, hey. Do you want to be one of these people? Here's an example of someone who was killed right. by an illegal immigrant. You know, like he's invoking that stuff because he's empathizing with the fear of older generation white person. Sure. You know, who was like, oh, I, I'm scared of that stuff, too. He's calling it out like he, he was able to bring people yeah. to that cause and that sort of degree, which is fascinating. It is fascinating. I will say I feel like in his arguments, though, empathy gets a bad rap. Yeah. Like I feel like his em- book's like- called, you know. Empathy is bad, basically. Right, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Empathy, fuck it, am I right? So it is, yes, getting a bad rap. Right, but I just, like, I feel like empathy is not the only thing that can be weaponized in the political spectrum, or the only thing that causes, uh, you know... I, don't, I have a hard time believing empathy is the is the root cause for all the things that we've talked about thus Mm -hmm. far. Sure, it plays into it, but, like, I still... I, I don't know. So, like, is he positing that empathy is just inherently bad and it should be done away with? Is no. that what he's saying? He's saying it's a more logical approach. Right. Well, I know we've, we've talked it. about the logical approach, but is mm-hmm. he saying that? But by doing that, I feel like you're almost removing empathy from the equation. I don't think so. I think being empathetic is not inherently logical. Being empathetic is more of a feeling, and, and feelings necessarily aren't feelings aren't necessarily tied to logic. I feel like it can be both. Um, he, you know, he gives an example in that you know uh, video of uh, essentially instead of thinking of what can I do to help this one person, think what can I do to help all of humanity. Okay. In that sort of regard, like okay, this uh, you know you, you're talking about um, you know children who are. Um, oh, he gave an example of like there was a kid uh, who moved up a transplant list because they did some sort of thing to focus on them. People felt so bad. They're like, we got to move them up the transplant list, even though they didn't have nearly as critical a condition as people that were ahead of that child. Ah, okay. And they did so, and in doing so, they put the lives of other people at risk because of this one person that they knew, this one child that they knew. Right. That is being irrational. Like, yes, that child needs it, but there's also children who are above them so the better question is if we have rational empathy which sucks is uh even though i know you even though i know who you are we still have to follow the rules and we have to make sure that the people who need the next transplant need to follow that list accordingly right so i think that's kind of what he's getting at for situations (laughs) where things kind of move with emotion as opposed to moving with logic Right, but again, those two things are mutually... I feel like they're mutually exclusive from each other. 
I don't, see, I don't, I don't, I don't I like, think, give me an example where emotion and logic is tied together. Well, I think there's a different, well, I think that's the, the problem is people are using their empathy. They're empathizing going, man, that child, man, we, we they did an expose. I feel horrible for that kid and everything yeah. like that. And then taking a moment to say, I feel bad for them. But there are kids in front of that child who need the transplant because they have a more dire... So empathy without action is what he's saying. Yeah, more of a thought process that takes you through it and thinking, okay, what is the best possible option for all parties? Because taking someone with a less you know, dire consequences and moving them ahead of everyone else is not the right choice. As much as we know and love this kid because we saw an expose on them, right. what about the other kids who just didn't get the expose who are... You know, at in death's worse door. conditions, exactly. Sure, and there's a, and that's a very specific example, but you can kind of extrapolate that to right. some degree. Like, yeah, Hurricane Katrina, Katrina was fucking terrible. Yeah, but when you look at the perspective of how many people have died, you know, from preventable diseases, you know, when and obviously Hurricane Katrina, it was a terrible storm, freak yeah. accident. You know, I think those things play into whether or not how people feel because like they had no control, you know. But at the same time, you've got people who don't have access to medicine and vaccines that die at a greater rate than people who died in Hurricane Katrina. So let me ask you this then. Is he saying that, like in this example, and we'll just take this example and and we'll kind of, we'll we'll expand it uh, or kind of take it to um, an absurd level, if you will. But is he saying that essentially in this example, Hurricane Katrina victims should not have been helped? No. Like because you can't, you physically can't help everyone. Agreed. So if he's saying... Be logical. He's he is saying leave people behind. Not necessarily. I think he's asking the question is how come the Hurricane Katrina victims are getting so much exposure when like thirteen times the amount are dying every year from preventable diseases. Okay. Just like why are all these mass shootings focused on when people the homicide rate is exceptionally high. In, in the United States. Right, 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 right. Like, yeah, it's <clears throat> horrible what's happening. It's probably because it's in large number, but homicides happen all the time. Right. So why aren't we freaking out at the homicides that are happening all the time instead of just focusing on the mass shootings? Because I think... I what, mean, the mass shootings, obviously, I feel like the mass shootings open a door to the conversation about homicide, but you're you're saying that that door should not need to be opened by a mass shooting. Should it should already be just, open. It should be blown wide open already, mm-hmm. and the conversation should be... Flowing. Exactly. So I, and I think that's... Those if are, we treated every homicide as, with the same coverage as a mass shooting, people would start to go, what the fuck is exactly. going on? Yeah. Why does it take the Parkland High School shooting to have us have a discussion about gun control right. and homicides and mental health? It, it shouldn't be that way. Sure, it sure, It shouldn't sure. take this... And again, like the, 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 all these things are horrible that yeah. are happening, but why the spotlight? Why, why not the spotlight on other things that are like, yeah. And it's it's hard because, again, part of it is going back to the media. People, this, this shit sells, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean. Sells like 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 wine. Yep. Because wh- wine down Wednesdays, $1 off glasses, half dollar or half price off bottles. One, Elephant and cats. $1 off bottles, half. Nope. <laughs> $1 off glass, half off bottles. Yes. Yes. Half price bottles, yes. yes. God damn it, you're right. I know it's hard. Fine, fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, the media absolutely feeds into that because they know. Yeah, you know, they know what's going to sell and well, and that's not. that's part of the issue that we have with with the 24 hour news cycle is that when there's uh, when there's always something that needs to be on when you have to program and you have to be the next person, mm-hmm. the first person to get the next story, then 
you know, if the 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 immediately the next tragedy, the next big thing, yeah. and it's they it can't be a single individual because they don't have the story exactly. that can carry you through multiple days of coverage. Yeah, it has to be a big thing that can carry you through multiple days of coverage. That you can mine that story for how many different angles do we have on it, and you know, who how else many can we talk people. to? Exactly, and all that sort of yeah. shit. So I would say. I would say, I mean, potentially the news media is, is responsible for the decline of of uh, uh, empathy being a good thing. I mean, to be fair, I understand from their perspective, they can't, I mean, how much can they report on everything? I'm not I mean? blaming the reporters. Yeah. Or, I'm, I mean, it's the it's the people who who own and and yeah. push the agenda of all the news agencies. And look, for anyone out there who's already, who's, who's you know, Buttholes pucking up and and is waiting for me to drop the uh, the conservative versus. Low. I'm talking about both sides. Yeah. So like it, it it is it is around 100 all the way around. Like it is. It, I'm not talking just Fox or just MSNBC. Yeah. Everybody's got this issue. Absolutely. And also, uh, he talks about how uh, empathy can pull us in the wrong direction, and outrage that comes from adopting the perspective of a victim can drive an appetite for retribution. Mm. Can cloud your cloud your judgment a little bit. He gives an example. Uh, he says uh, this dynamic regularly plays out in the realm of criminal justice. Uh, in 1987, Willie Horton, a convicted murderer, you heard of who? Oh, uh, who had been uh, convicted murderer who had been released on furlough from the Northeastern Correctional Center in Massachusetts, raped a woman after beating and tying up her fiance. So the furlough program came to be seen as uh, a humiliating mistake on the part of Governor Michael Dukakis and was used against him by his opponents during his run for president in the following year. Yet, the program may have reduced the likelihood of such incidents. In fact, a 1987 report found that the recidivism rate in Massachusetts dropped in the 11 years after the program was introduced, and that convicts who were furloughed before being released were less likely to go on to commit a crime than those who were not. The trouble is you can't point to individuals who weren't raped assaulted or killed as a result of the program just as you can't point to a specific person whose life was spared because of a vaccination so it's real easy interesting to look at something and be like see it didn't work because you can't tell what is working you know what i mean right in those sorts of regards no that's and that's a, a real real challenge that's an interesting point because you have such a definable statistic on one side <clears throat> and you have such a broad swath of statistics on the other side, and you can't. There's no. There's no. Um, yeah. There's no uh, exact. You, you, there's not one thing that you can point to. Yeah. How can I you keep measure? I use the word specificity, but that's not a word, is it? How can you measure the effect of that? You know what I mean? It was kind of like when we were talking with Roman Simmons about sports, and like, oh, you had a Heisman Trophy winner at this this college, and then. Uh, you know, attendance rises. Right. You know, how how can you determine that it's because of the Heisman? Right. Is know? it? Yeah. Exactly. Like, I think you can equate. You know, you know, polio vaccines. You know, the cases of polio going down due to polio vaccines. Doc, you know? Can you, Doug? I don't know. Can you increase that? Can you check that with autism? Can, can you? Can you? Huh? Fucking anti-vaxxers. Um, but yeah, I find that very interesting. It's like, oh wait, well this one didn't work out. It's like, yeah, but how many of them did? And we can't tell. Yeah. It's fucking. It sucks. Uh, because, again, we're empathizing with the victim. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. This guy who was furloughed right. raped somebody. You're not empathizing with the non-victim. And it's like, oh, shit, because how can you? Right. Because, hey, congrats. You didn't get assaulted. What do You, you mean? had a day. What do you mean you didn't get assaulted? Oh, uh, because the program worked. Right. You were going to get assaulted, 
Uh, but you didn't. Right. So congratulations. <laughs> it's kind of a head scratcher on that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like that's a little... Report. I was just going to say that's a little minority reportish. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Uh, sensible policies often have the benefits, uh, have benefits that are merely statistical, but victims... Uh, this is a weird sentence. Sensible policies often have benefits that are merely statistical, but victims who have names and stories. I'll just read the examples. Uh, opponents of restrictions of CO2 emissions are flush with identifiable victims. All those who will be harmed by increased costs, by business closures. The millions of people who are at some unspecified future date will suffer the consequences of our current inaction are, by contrast, a pale statistical abstraction. So meaning, there's a lot of fancy words in this one. I was going to say that... They got a pretty mouth. <laughs> got a pretty mouth there, Paul. I almost called him Paul Blart. Uh, Paul Bloom. Um, Judy Bloom's brother. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Whoa, Judy Bloom's yeah. brother, Paulie. He's he's very into the whole political uh, yeah realm. So he's saying it's easily statistically, it's easy to look at the numbers and say, hey, look, if we are, if you're telling us to reduce carbon dioxide emissions, here's what it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us, you know. Uh, business closures. It's going to cost us all these sorts of things. We're going to have to cut this. We're going to have to cut that. It's going to affect all this sort of stuff. I don't think we should do it. Versus all the people in the future who will benefit from fewer emissions. And again, you can't put a number on that, mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the future data. Which is why politically this stuff is really hard to manage because it's all about short-term goals because they always want to get reelected. Right. No one's looking for, hey, look, dude. I don't give a shit if I don't, don't get reelected. I've got to put this policy in place because it's for the greater good. Right. Nothing fuels that sort of thinking. Yeah. At there, all. There's no, there is no long-term agenda on anyone's uh, plate when they're, when they're running for office. There no. is no long-term agenda. And they can say there is, but there's not. Yeah. Everything that they're doing is for the short term. Because it's all about something they can put their name on, something right. they can add to their legacy. And that's why things like... Something for the next get a repeal. And again, exactly. And again, I think that goes along with things like gun violence. They have to strike while the iron, hot, or iron is hot, while the public is outraged because they'll get the support that they need. Right. Like, no one's going to be like, guys, people are killing each other. We should do something about it. Yeah, there's no news coverage. Right. It's like, look what I did. And the people are like, no one cares. Right. It's a fucking shame, too, because I think that's gross. No, it absolutely is. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. We, yeah, well, I was going to get... It, it could take us down why the political system is broken, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, too often, our concern for specific individuals today means neglecting crises that will harm countless people in the future. Eight deaths are worse than one, even if you know the name of the one. Yeah. Humanitarian aid, if poorly targeted, can be counterproductive. The threat posed by climate change warrants the sacrifices entailed by efforts to ameliorate it. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Do we just learn? I just heard word? alacrity. <laughs> so basically, saying that uh, climate change warrants the sacrifices uh, that we need to take, more okay. or less, to, to to stop it. He uses a lot of fancy words from time to time. So fucking no, I'm Paul Blair. I use fancy yeah. words. Because think about that: eight people are going to die. That's worse than one person, but even even though you know that one person. <clears throat> right. Well, then here's here's what the spin is then. Yeah. Here's what you do in the media is you dig in and figure out why those eight people were terrible people. <laughs> that's right. your that's your angle. Yeah. Now run with it. Print it. Because imagine that. Imagine you are posed with a situation. It's it's do the trolley. It's the trolley game. Yeah. yeah basically, absolutely. one person on the track, it's going to kill or... Or yeah, it's it's yeah. You have to choose. Is the trolley going to run over eight people or one person that you know? Right. What are you going to do? Right. It's like 
uh, I don't know the eight people. Yeah. So like your your mother is on the track. Yeah. But you can flip a switch and put the train on a different track. But there are eight people tied to that track who you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So which one do you pick? The eight. logic. This is where empathy becomes the problem. Yeah. No, the eight. <laughs> oh, hands down. I mean, there's there's an answer to this, Doug, and I just <laughs> gave it to you. If you fucking listen to me. Yeah. The eight. So it's it's one of those. It, that's the thing. That's where logic. Even though you empathize, I know this person. I know this will suck and everything like that. But the logical choice for the greater good is the eight. Is to save the eight. No, kill the eight. <laughs> I thought you were saying, oh, yeah, kill my mom. Yeah, wait, no, what? You're like, yeah, totally kill my mom. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) Right over. (laughs) And I think that's an interesting way to look at it because we rarely look at it that way. Yeah. Because it's complicated. It is. Because then you, I mean, you are forced to put your emotions to the side. You're forced to table them and go, okay, really, if we look at this objectively, what does this look like? What What is the better of the two options? Not that there is a better of the two options, but what is the more logical of the two options? What saves the most people? Right. Um, others have argued plausibly that uh, moral progress involves expanding our concern from the family and the tribe to humanity as a whole. Which, sure. Yeah. Sure. It is impossible to empathize with 7 billion strangers. Or to feel towards someone. False. <laughs> I feel all of them and it's gross. It's as if a million voices screamed out in pain all at the same time. And then went silent. Uh, so uh, so it's impossible to empathize with 7 billion strangers or to feel towards someone you've never met. Uh, the degree of concern you feel for a child, a friend, or a lover. Our best hope for the future is to not get people to think of all humanity as family because that's impossible. False. <laughs> It lies instead in an appreciation of the fact that even if we don't empathize with distant strangers, their lives have the same value as the lives of those we love. That was a powerful thing, mm. I think, for me. Because it is hard. It's, 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 well, it's easy for me to walk by a homeless person and be like, sorry, dude. Right. Nope. Right. But if that was my good friend Colby from back home, I was like, dude, can you lend me 10 bucks? I'd be like, fuck yeah, here you yeah. go. Here's 10 bucks. Absolutely. Not a problem. And, and I think that's where it comes in. I think that's where that... 150 monkeys comes from yeah because again that's your tribe right that's the people you know that's the people you're connected with that's why it's easy to look at the one girl who's missing from aruba versus the millions of people in darfur absolutely it's like i don't know where the fuck darfur is right and this is like oh this is someone who looks like my niece my sister like whatever and like i can identify with that that's the important thing while millions of people are getting murdered right or the syrian crisis which has been going on for eight years People are just getting obliterated, chemical weapons being used. And we're like, well, what are you going to do? You know, like it's hard. It's really hard to look at that and be like, what is the appropriate? How do we get this to stop? Right. Human being to human being. How do we end this? As opposed to looking at political agendas and things like that. Yeah. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I, I struggle with, I struggle the same thing. I struggle with diets. When sure. you remove something completely from a diet, I think it's I think that's stupid. Mm-hmm. I think diets that remove something 100% are bad diets and mm-hmm. I w- won't go into we won't go into it at this point, but I feel the same I feel like his argument is that we I still hear that he's saying we remove empathy and I disagree with that. I don't think he's saying remove like he says like here in this sentence like Like I just want to know when he thinks it's okay to be empathetic. Well, I, I just feel like he I almost to me sounds like He's on a uh, he's on a witch hunt for empathy, and I don't understand that. Again, title of this is empathy is bad, right? <laughs> but what I, I, again, I think you're. Well, also- sometimes authors will do will will speak in a hyperbole or or, yeah. or 
you know, I know that, sure. I guess that's hyper. No, it's not really hyperbolic, but you know what I'm saying. They'll, they'll speak in like grand, you know, broad brush strokes yeah. to make a point. So I sure. didn't know if he was truly saying empathy at its core is a terrible thing and needs to be eradicated, or no. is he just saying, I'm going to say this headline so you'll listen to some of the other shit I have to Fair say. Fair enough. No, I think, again, like the idea, the ability to differentiate between empathy and kindness, compassion, right, and all that sort of stuff, like in helping others. So. I feel like you're still linking all those together when you say things like like that. Are when I say good? things like... Like, I feel like he thinks that we shouldn't use empathy ever. And I don't think that's what he's saying. No, I understand that he's saying that we need to, we need to take a logical approach to fixing issues. But is, he's, I, he's, again, it sounds to me like he's saying that you should not... You should ignore or repress the feelings that you're having about something and only look at it from a cold, calculated standpoint. I, I think that's definitely that's definitely in here. But I, I like kind of like this. But sense. see, to me, that takes away that takes away the humanistic side of things. That takes away what it means to be when you're just, your computer at that point. Let's calculate what the best outcome is, and we'll do that. Like that completely takes away what it is because to 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 err is human. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like I think, or is to err divine? I don't know what the quote is. Uh, forgive is divine. Error is human. Forgive is divine. I was divine. like, error is human. Yeah. Sounds more like so. Like I the right like one. you. You're not gonna like. Empathy is what grants us some of our humanity. Of course. So I, I I don't think it's as villainous as he's making it out to be. Well, I think it can lead. I I agree that it it can cloud judgment. I absolutely agree with mm -hmm. that. But I I I feel like he's making it. He's it being painted in a villainous light, and I I disagree with that. Uh, give me an example of like. What would be a counterpoint to what you're feeling? Like when you say, like you know, um, you know, you're saying that in his mind, he's saying to have empathy is wrong and to be cold and calculated. What can you give me an example of? Yeah, like well, a, let's say with the well, let's put it back on the trolley. Let's okay, put the trolley back on the track, and you got so he's saying it based off of his what I'm hearing based off of his uh, research or mm -hmm. his uh, standpoint. Mm -hmm. He's going, oh, it's easy. Fuck your mom. Save the eight. There's not even a consideration for this person that he knows, that he spent time with, that he loves. The consideration is just removed. And at that point, your humanity is removed. Well, I don't think it's so necessary as like, oh, this is easy. I think it's like understanding that this is a shitty situation. You know, feeling like what it would be like to be like, this person I love, my mom is on the track. Sure. But in this situation, I have to do what's best for everybody. What if it were him on the track? What do you mean? Like would he? Would he what, say, if, what, what if it was he die versus saving the, the eight? Right, because I think that's really what the trolley paradox was initially. Was that you are on the track, you have the ability to hmm. swip the flip the switch and send it to kill the eight, or you let the trolley hit you and you die. It seems too more too heroic. I feel like it should be. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, that seems like. Oh yeah, I'll die to save eight. So you think he would do it? I, th I would. Th it's it, yeah, based on would his, you do it? Would I do it? Yeah. I would, I would like to think that I would. I mean, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> if someone, let me let me ask you this then. If you were standing on the track and your mother was standing over there, over that's the, not fair. Your mother would choose you 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, what's up, Chris? Uh, <laughs> pick someone else. Colby. Okay. Someone. Someone you yeah. you know and love, respect, is standing at the, at the, at the, at the switch. Mm -hmm. um, would you be shouting at them to... Throw the switch. Throw the switch. Say like, save me. Would you be pleading for them to do that? I mean, again, no, having knowing knowing that I had full knowledge that there were eight other people on the track. Yeah, 
and it was either me or them, I would like to think, I would like to think that I would say to hit me. Yeah. I would like to believe that because I feel like, again, that makes the most sense. I'm also very practical, so this sort of stuff really, you know. It resonates with yeah, you. Yeah, it really His does. His argument makes a lot of sense Because, to yeah. again, I, you know. I, I'm so feelings-based that it is hard yeah. for me to separate Because that's it. the thing is I don't think he's saying remove your feelings. He's just saying, like, keep I, it in check and be like, what's, what's the right thing to do here? And the right sure. thing to do is save as many people as possible. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah. Paul Bloom's a computer. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know this, he's, but the computer wrote this. The computer wrote this. He's AI, <laughs> and he's dangerous. Right now, shut it down, yeah. Skynet. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's, yeah, I, I definitely, it's, I think it's something it's, it's interesting to consider because it's, I feel like it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not something you consider all the time. It's, it's a different way of thinking. It's something I feel like you don't consider most of the time. Yeah, like agreed. It's, it's, Which is why it's, it's a fun thing for me to consider because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's right. No, and I get, look, I get the, I get the arguments he's making. I understand. I feel like you the, don't, Justin. I, no, I do. I'm I not understand. a robot. I, do, I feel like, I, I, I do understand what he's saying. I do understand the arguments. Um, I would, I'd like to have a more nuanced conversation with him to yeah. get his to get because obviously there's only so much you can glean off of a, a paper that he wrote or a, sure. uh, something he published. But um, yeah, I just I it almost feels like he's against empathy, and I would like to know if that's I would I would just like to know if that's the case. Sure, and if so, uh, what the I don't know what the what his argument is. Like what is what his argument is to be a hundred percent against empathy. If if not, then I'm misunderstanding, and he mm-hmm. may he may be like, yeah, find a balance, yeah. but choose logic, yeah. which that I can understand. Yeah. It just I don't know. It just seems like it seems like there's a, a real hatred towards <laughs> towards feeling for other people. That's so again, funny. he's a machine. Uh, a couple more things here: misplaced empathy. So again, going to the thing we talked about in the wake of Sandy Hook massacre, uh, it was inundated with so much charity that it became a burden. More than 800 volunteers were recruited to deal with the gifts that were sent to the city, all of which kept arriving despite earnest pleas from Newton officials that the charity be directed elsewhere. A vast warehouse was crammed with plush toys the townspeople had no use for. Millions of dollars rolled into this relatively affluent community. We felt their pain. We wanted to help. Meanwhile, just to begin a very long list, almost 20 million American children go to bed hungry each night, and the federal food stamp program is facing budget cuts of almost 20%. Perhaps 50 million Americans will be stricken next year by foodborne illness, yet budget reductions mean that the FDA will be conducting 2,000 fewer safety inspections. Next year, the average American will release about 20 metric tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Via farts. (laughs) Via cow farts. And many Congress seek to loosen restrictions on greenhouse gases even further. So it's the idea of, you know, again, misplaced empathy. There's a lot of shit that's going on. That, yeah. yeah. And again, I'm very much like, dude, there's so much. I can't fix everything. It's overwhelming. That That's you know the other I mean? part of it, too, where I'm just like, why can't I choose what I want to fix? Yeah, and you obviously can't. So but that also just destroys me to know that people were just sending stuff yeah. over there to no avail. I know. And they were just like, guys, it's, don't. It's sad that the first place my mind went, though, was like, how much fun would it be to jump Right. From a skylight into that just warehouse, poof. into the just the thing of plush. Full of the really hard boxes that it's they're all... T- right, know. yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, Corner all the, the money back. and stuff that was spent on that, and you think about, oh my God, if that had been redirected yeah. somewhere else, it would have done more good. Yeah. 
Because you, I mean, uh, take take under the uh, take under assumption. Let's say conservatively, each of those plush toys cost five dollars. Yeah. Think about how many. If there's that, eight hundred like, volunteers had to manage that. That's how many there were. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, if you could just, everyone would have taken that and put put that someplace right into something. Yeah. Into something like that's that's where it's like, oh, we don't understand. Like, <clears throat> we want to make sure that that, which is even more frustrating when you hear about, you know, oh, I'm going to submit to. Red Cross or whatever, and it's like, oh, that aid can't get where it needs to get to go because warlords are going to take it. Right. It's right. like, great. I just helped, you know, fund a fucking warlord right. in some shitty country. I feel like I just funded Darfur. Yeah, I didn't mean shitty country. I meant, you know, this shitty asshole who's right, like right. holding down a choke point, and he's like, fuck you, and he's letting this country suffer right. because he's a dick. Lastly, I thought this was pretty interesting. Bring it on. The power of this faculty has something to do with its ability to bring our moral concern into a laser pointer of focused attention. If a planet of billions is to survive, however, we'll need to take into consideration the welfare of people not yet harmed, and even more of people not yet born. Read that one more time. So the power of this faculty has something to do with its ability to bring our moral concern into a laser pointer of focused attention. Okay. If a planet of billions is to survive, however, we'll need to take into consideration the welfare of people not yet harmed, and even more of people not yet born. Hmm. Interesting. So again, very. What does that mean to you? So that means it's a very. He's saying we got to be more utilitarian. Like we've got to be able to get past these situations where, obviously, empathy has an opportunity to lend itself for us to hyper focus on one individual thing, like Sandy Hook. Okay. A lot of good effort was put into that, but for the wrong reasons. It didn't sustain the larger group of people. It was like this one thing we have to help with. And actually did more harm than good. So what I feel like he's saying is like we have to take into consideration this entire planet and what can we do to make sure that we're preventing people from getting harmed and what can we do to prevent this from happening, harming people that aren't even born yet. Mm. So things like CO2 emissions, you know, what, what can we do to help make sure that that doesn't happen? What can we do to reduce uh, mental health issues? What can we do to make sure that kids aren't starving? What can we do to make sure that people aren't dying from preventable diseases? Like, how can we funnel our efforts into those sorts of things as opposed to the next, oh, this is a missing child that is white that we identify with. Oh, my gosh, it's a tragedy. We should all send money to help this person. We see it all the time. It's like, it's hard not to like. Yeah. But it was, um, what was it? It was that... Uh, the lady who went into Michael's and lost her shit oh, in Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. People donated to that employee there, and that employee got like $40,000 right. in donations. I'm like, is that money well spent? Justice-wise, I say yes. Right. But. Because you're just like, fuck that lady. It was like, this person this deserves your, yeah, it. Their right. customer service is like, yeah. But if you think about that, where could that $40,000 have gone? That's a very fair point. Somewhere, again, I feel like that's a perfect example of what he's saying is emotions are guiding our logic. Right. Saying, hey, this guy doesn't deserve that. He's getting beat up. He's a customer service agent. He gets that all the time. Fuck this lady. We're giving this guy. We're tipping him. Everyone tip. One, right. two dollars, whatever you can give. And before you know it, 40 grand racks up. What if we got that around and that was in Chicago? What if we did that towards a community? Right. Or what if we did that towards something else? But like, let me ask you this, though. Should the greater good dictate where someone, an individual, like what if, what if someone wanted to put their money towards 
that towards some random cause. Well, then they should be put in a death camp. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there I you got have it. Dark. No, so you're talking Fox like... Fox is Doug and Justin in the morning. <laughs> death camps. Um, no, I, so you're just saying... Obviously, everyone has the ability to do whatever they want. I'm just saying like... Free will, that, motherfucker. <laughs> right. We're not machines. <laughs> Paul... Blart. Bloom. Thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was going through... All my brain was saying is Blart, Blart, Blart. I'm like, God damn it. Stop thinking of Blart, you asshole. Uh, no, like if... I don't know. I feel like I'm arguing a... a a losing argument here. No, it, it, I, I, I think this is interesting because I see what you're saying. You're you know saying, what I mean? Like people, you're, you're saying, should we always be considering? Yes, there's a greater good, but I want to give money to this, so that's what I want to do. Yeah, I, but I think what the this is matters. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you gave your money to that. I'm giving it to this. Yeah. So what's this? Right. Whatever this is. What is it? I don't know. Define it. It's a thing I want to do. That's cool. Yeah. But what is it? It's a thing I want to do. <laughs> Because that's why I think I matters. Want, you want me to give you a like a in this scenario, it's giving money to the the worker at the at the thing. Because what I'm saying is, I think that this whatever we're defining it matters where you're putting that money. Because if you're talking like, yeah, I feel like I should be able to donate to this worker, you absolutely can. Yeah. But we should also take a moment and be like, is that serving something greater? Is that serving helping us serve? You know. Right. But again, what I'm saying is that yes. Is it helping? You can consider. Is this helping to serve the greater good? No. Mm-hmm. But I. This is where I earned this money. Mm-hmm. I decide where it goes. Sure. And I'm giving it to this. You absolutely can do that. So, like, I mean. So okay, all right. So I think maybe <clears throat> what he's saying is that is not even being the greater good is not even being considered by most. Exactly. Consider it. Yes. Okay. I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, he's basically saying like in a situation like the Michael situation, it's like, is that really where we should be putting our money right now? If you want it to go to there, great. But consider where that money could do a, a bigger amount of good. Exactly. You know, again, we're talking, you know, starving children. We're talking and obviously it's like, yeah, of course there's starving children all over the world, but it's like if we were able to send all of those toys and all that money right. to Sandy Hook victims, right. what else can we send that money to? And the reason was our empathic response for that was, oh, my God, children died. And it's horrible. But it was a horrible thing. But here's the other question that, that brings up to me then. Like, how – where's the cut – I'm going to say this. So he's saying that if you, Doug Cochran – <clears throat> donate to five a small amount to five different charities. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to do more harm than good to those five charities. My but understanding if, is yes, if, correct. But if you take all the money you're going to donate to all five of those charities and put it towards one thing, then it could benefit that one thing in a in a much greater way. Yes. Cool. How do you decide what that one thing is? It's a good question. Like, would, what is the hierarchy of what's the worst thing going on? And I'm using sure. air quotes here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think in that situation, even if five of them are like starving children, uh, preventable diseases, uh, mental health, and housing for the homeless, yeah. I feel like whichever one you pick is a good thing in my mind. Great. But again, that is a subjective... Dis- like that, like 100%. But if your fifth one is, oh my gosh... Let's all donate to the Michaels employee, right? Who got her? I would say that one is less no, than con- these other. Four. I'll concede that a hundred percent. I sure. absolutely agree with that. But like, there's always going to be an equal number of terrible things going on in the world. Sure, that could that could use attention. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a cause, and yeah. everyone's cause is the most important cause. Sure. So, 
without having empathy, without feeling for one of the causes, it's impossible to decide, like, how do you sit there and actually pick apart and structure a one to 10 list of what's Mm -hmm. most to least important. And again, I don't think he's saying don't use empathy in any way or it should not feel sure in that sort of regard i may I, be leaning into that too hard i may i may be having a hard time letting go of that. <laughs> i will i will admit that because i think what he's saying is definitely feel right just don't let what you're feeling mislead you sure don't let it you know make you make a, a poor choice because oh my god i really identify with that but if you step back and look at it it's like this is one person versus I could spend a lot of money to help a lot more people. Right. But if, so I will say this then too, if a lot of, if everyone, let's say you put all your money towards this one cause and I put all my money towards this other cause, Mm -hmm. then neither cause is getting the benefit of both of our money going to it. That is a true statement. Is it, is it, is that not a similar thing as if I split my money amongst five, five different charities? Like you're That's still, money is still getting, if you look as, at, at the, the total global amount of money, it's still getting split amongst causes. You're sure. not funneling everything towards one until it gets fixed mm-hmm. and funneling everything to the next one until it gets fixed. Sure. Like, I, I think it's just, I guess on what level, because mm-hmm. if you, it give you, um, not uh, expand, but if you, um, like if you compound everything mm-hmm. and every, like you, you take everything and, and you look on it on that grand of a scale, like X, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know sol- where I'm looking for. Are you for. solving for X, Justin? I might be solving for X. <laughs> um, I think expound or, or yeah, it, uh, grow things exponentially. And you look at, mm-hmm. the, at the at the biggest, you know, take everything on a global scale. Is it not just a? Uh, is it not? Is it not just the same issue you're having when one person is splitting their wealth amongst five different charities? Well, I think what it's saying is that if you do, let's say that you're doing five dollars to five different charities. Mm-hmm. And in doing $5 to five different charities, you're actually causing a loss. Sure. But instead of doing $5 to five different charities, you do $25 to one charity. Good math. Thank you. Um, that, even though you're just picking one, that's obviously going to go further. And regardless of if I do 25 to one, you do 25 to another, we're still making a bigger impact than if, than if you and I both did 10 to each one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think the I yeah. think I think the idea in that regard specifically like donating, you should pick one that is your number one and you should make that where you funnel all of your donations. Because you're going to do more of an effect in that sort of regard than saying, "Well, I'll do 50 here, 50 here, 50 here." Take all of that and be like, "Bam." I I allotted myself $250 for the year to donate. I'm donating it to one place. Because you see like, you know, those like someone donates however millions of dollars to one charity. That's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, as much as I hate to admit, the ice water challenge actually did a lot of good towards whatever that. I never saw. It was the ALS challenge. It was the ALS ice water challenge. I never never actually looked up any statistics of how much was actually brought in from that. I can't. I don't remember, but I saw reports where it actually helped. Interesting. It actually helped with the research, and it actually helped with the situation where they're developing. like That's a wonderful, because most of the time you don't hear shit about where that stuff goes. No, absolutely not. But that was a bunch of people getting together and donating and raising money for one cause. Right. That was a good cause. Right, right. And it did a lot of good. And that was that's super exciting in that sort of regard for that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's hard 
if you don't know anything. Oh, because that's why it's the same thing with comedy. Everything's funny until you hit something that someone's gone through. Absolutely. All of a sudden, it's not funny anymore. Absolutely. Hey, my dad died of cancer. Cancer jokes aren't funny. Right. It's like, okay, that's the same situation that we're looking at here. Yeah, like, but you laughed at this religion joke, and you laughed at this you know, sex joke, and you yeah. laughed at this other joke. That person has empathy. They have an empathic response when it deals with something with cancer. So you're saying empathy is the is the death of comedy. <laughs> empathy ruins comedy. That's what I'm saying. There you go. But that's sort of that's to be the title of this. Empathy ruins comedy. Empathy ruins comedy. And at the end he goes, and it's really shitty at comedy shows. Um, but that's that's the challenge is to find find I think I think the challenge is to obviously identify that anything that you're going to have an empathic response for, identify and then look at it and be like, if I were to support this or if there's something I could do, what's the way that I can save the most people or affect the most people in a positive way? As opposed to this situation I really identify with, I want to address this one situation. Is there a greater way to go about it? And that's the part I f- about it that I find interesting. Now, that being said, I don't feel like his philosophy applies to customer service. <laughs> And that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> because for that, it's like I can't just decide, I don't want to help you. I want to help the greater good. It's like, no, you're on the phone to talk to me. It's my job to help you. So I need to have empathy. Double and I standards, to- Doug. Double <laughs> fucking standards, man. If you're going to back this, you got to back it all the way. Back it all the way. I'm like, yeah, it's still good for customer service. But on the global and social. I'm going to tell, sense. I'm going to walk in tomorrow and tell my boss, look, I'm done practicing empathy. I'm going to practice what do we say the uh, name of our band was? Oh, uh, Rational Compassion. I'm going to practice Rational Compassion. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I think uh, that wouldn't go very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Rational Compassion. But yeah, I, I, it's it's an interesting thing. Well, it's because the reason because because customers are dickheads. Yeah. That's why. Well, is because the customer doesn't realize the customer's empathetic with themselves. They don't right. realize there's a greater good out there. And guess what? Your problem, not that fucking big a deal. Exactly. Because you know what? You know who they empathize with? Themselves. Themselves. They do not empathize with the customer <laughs> service person. I do. Right. When I see them, I'm like, I've been in your shoes, man. Right. I know what this is. Just try a little bit. If you try a little bit, I swear I'll make this day okay for you. I promise. I'm not going to make your life a living hell. Just take a nap. Just a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just take a little nap. Just take a little nap. Just crawl under your desk. Just, just take a little Night, <laughs> these cute little, little snores. <laughs> what's he doing? He's taking a nap. What is he, a guinea pig? Yeah. Like, what's going on over there? Hey, hey, hey! Rational compassion. <laughs> Rational compassion, fuck face. <laughs> I love yes. it. Um, yes. I'll tell you where empathy absolutely has no place. Hmm. <laughs> Let me see. Where can empathy. And rational compassion, not ex- oh, the throwdown! In the fucking throwdown. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you're gonna loathe today's throwdown. <laughs> well, thank you for for frontloading. I'm gonna let you know right out the gate that you're gonna fucking hate this. Okay. But since we are a month out from Rampage opening, oh no! <laughs> uh, I win! <laughs> oh no! I don't even know if I want to do it anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to pit a giant gorilla against a giant flying fox. That's <laughs> a wolf. And a giant, whatever, and a giant alligator. We're going to put the, the three of those together and see who comes out on top. I was, I was, initially, this was born out of, I wanted to do, so Discovery Channel used to have something. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah, animal versus animal, yeah. Fuck yes. It was great. We used to get so... Hammered. Hammered. <laughs> 
and so hard, so <laughs> inebriated on some substance, <clears throat> and sit so there and, honky. and so honky. Um, yeah, we would we would get inebriated in college, and we would uh, uh, we would just sit there and just root. We would pick a side and just go, just ham like, come on, alligator. So I wanted to do an animal throwdown, and I was going through all of these different animals, and then I was like, well, fuck it. Doug hates Rampage. It's coming out on April 13th, which is a month away. Don't, don't promote from Rampage. From when we're recording this, not from when you're listening to it. You know what comes out shortly after that? Avengers Infinity War. Right, but who gives a shit? I give a shit. I'm just saying. Coming out a week early. Woo-woo! Right, well, Amy Schumer's movie's coming around, around then, too, so there's that. Hopefully it's not coming out the same weekend as Infinity War, because uh-oh. No, no, everyone, and that's the funny thing, though. There's been a string of of celebrities announcing that their movies have changed dates. Oh no shit! Because they're all and they're all saying thanks to Mr. Stark. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, because they're like, I don't want to be up there that weekend. No, Fuck no, no. That. Yeah, there. So there has been a rash of movies that have been like, they're. I, I'm. I'm. I can just hear the execs going, "Hey, Instagram this. Say it's. Say it's your decision to move it up. Just make yeah. it a thing where people look at it. Hey guys, we're all moving up too. Right, exactly. Or yeah. moving it back or right. whatever. Like there's like, "Fuck you, asshole." Right. Um, so let's do this. Giant gorilla versus giant crocodile versus giant wolf. Yeah. You're welcome. <sighs> All right. I, I, I think... Uh, giant the, flying wolf. You got to make it flying. Fine. <laughs> flying wolf. <laughs> I love how much that hurt it's you gonna, to say it's that. It's going to be irrelevant in... Wolf, wolf's dead. <laughs> so right out the gate, uh, the gorilla punches the wolf in the face and kills it. No, uh, I, I think I think the gorilla has a a big advantage. I would say the gorilla the gorilla to start with has a huge advantage. Yes. So um, just based off its strength and agility. Are they on land or water? I would say they're, if they're in the water. The gorilla the gorilla's not in good shape. I would say they're in downtown Chicago. Oh goddamn it! Right by the river. <laughs> right by the river. So there is land water. and water. Well, obviously, um, they're right at the mouth. Of, they're right at the the harbor that sits at the mouth of the river, right by the. They're right in that area. Mm. Well, so you've got skyscrapers, you've got land, and you've got water. See, I feel like the alligator is obviously has its advantages in the water. Naturally, so um, it is shockingly fast, though. It yeah, um, if if the gorilla, well, the gorilla is going to stay out of the water because gorillas yes. can't swim. So. Okay. Obviously, not interested in going there. The wolf probably, if either the gorilla or the wolf go in the water, they ought, I think they instinctually know they're at a huge it's disadvantage. It's game over. It's game over. Yeah. So, um, so I will say, if they know that the alligator's in the water, which I would think that they would, because everyone and this all, is the throwdown. In all in all throwdowns, all parties are aware that there's a throwdown. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> they're aware what they're doing. Yeah. So if that's the case, I feel like um, they will avoid the water. And therefore, the alligator will be forced to come out and on land. So I'll say this: there's a f- there's a ring of fire <laughs> keeping them near the water. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I I would say yeah. If if they well, the thing is too, if they get too close, alligator definitely. If the wolf is flying over, the wolf is doing is doing a dive bomb, <laughs> doing a bombing run. If the wolf has climbed up to the top of the Aeon building, oh my god, and he's diving back down at the gorilla. If he happens to come over the river, the alligator can absolutely jump out and grab the flying wolf out of the, out of the air. Um, no, if they get anywhere near it, though, I think the alligator can pop out, grab, are snatch them. Are alligators known to like leap up like that and grab stuff out of the air? They can, yeah. If I you, know they can, but are they known for that? Because they seem like the kind of... I mean, not. I don't think in the wild they typically do that. With their little 
Their little legs are like. Well, no, they do it with they do it with their tail. I went to. Have you ever been to Gator World? No. Oh fuck, dude. We are gonna do a mind mind gap road trip to Gator World. Oh boy. Uh, we're gonna interview some gator handlers. Oh boy. Oh boy. Gator good. Gator good. Um, no, what they do is they'll they actually they'll go upright and they'll use their tail to propel themselves out okay. of the water. Gotcha. Um, like push off the off the ground with it. Um, like as in Gator World, they'll they'll put they'll put whole chickens on a sure like a basically a, a laundry line mm-hmm. and like put it yeah. out there and they'll come up and grab it. I'm assuming it's like a, okay. akin to something in the the junglers. I don't know where yeah, they yeah, live, yeah. but something hanging off a branch. Or there's like it. a bird on a branch or something like that. Sure, and yeah. Grab it. Okay. All right. So, so that that refutes my point. It can happen. Um, yeah. They can also. I mean, again, if they're near the water, they can come out and grab and pull sure. back in, which they're definitely known to do that. Yeah. And they can be swift as a motherfucker on that in that regard. I would. I, I feel like a lot of the fighting is going to take place between the gorilla and the wolf. I agree. I would. I can't imagine them being too too much in the water. So the alligator is going to have to come out to get to them. Yes. In an attempt to pull them back in. Exactly. So I think in a wolf versus a gorilla, I think I'm going to give it to the gorilla. Now, if it's a flying wolf... I still give it to the gorilla. You still give it to the gorilla? Because like the wolf's like... It's a gliding gorilla. Fly, flapping its wings going, ah, ah, as it attacks and then howls. Um, it's, it can glide, which I think Guys, is I wish you could have just seen what Doug just did there. Completely irrelevant because most of the time wolves don't climb trees or shit like that. So it's a weird ability to give the wolf. That's fair. I mean, he That's can. Fair. I'm assuming based on the movie, like physics, he can jump really high and far and then maybe glide a little bit beyond there. But I don't think it gives him a significant advantage. Okay. Because, again, a gorilla, first yeah. of all, I think is going to be stronger. Well, I mean, the, it's all, it is all dependent on the wolf getting its mouth around the gorilla's neck. Yes. That is, that is game, set, and match. That is it. If the, if the wolf cannot pull that move off, the wolf is done. So even if he grabs its arm or whatever and bites down, the gorilla's it's just going to smash, smash time, break, yeah. whatever, tear, and I think it will absolutely destroy the wolf. Yeah. So... In that regard, then that leaves alligator versus gorilla. Right. In which case, it's all dependent on who gets who gets the other pulled onto there. Now, I would say with if the alligator gets a locks on, its bite is much more powerful than the wolf's bite. I it think is. that would throw the gorilla off a little bit more. True. I mean, if it locked onto an appendage and just started rolling and stuff like that, but also bite his dick. <laughs> Do you think the gorilla would be strong enough to lift its jaws and, un- and undo it like the jaws of life? I feel like there was an animal versus animal yeah. with this where they were like, what is the what is the grip strength? Or like, what yeah. is the pressure of the a... Bite of a, strength. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact it did a bite strength thing. What was it? Was it an alligator versus shark? Or a crocodile versus shark? Because crocodiles are saltwater, right? Yeah. I think they did a crocodile versus shark. Which is interesting. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's all if if the gorilla had its back to the alligator, and the alligator came out, grabbed it by the leg, pulled it back, and it's off balance now, and it pulled it into the water. I th- I think that's a game changer. Well, I'd say even if the alligator's out on land, what really is the gorilla going to do to attack it? I mean, it's going to try to to either beat on it, but it's got armored. Or, it's got an armored back. It's got an armored back, but I mean, if you're just applying that like thud, that pressure over and over and over, it's a concussive. It's a concussive. It hit. is, but I, you know, alligators are pretty quick. So if he were even to get behind it, I imagine it would whip around. It would move. 
So I don't know if there's really a clear kill shot for the, the alligator for the for the gorilla on the alligator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so, the, how, the question would be: How would you, besides in a cinematic fashion, it ripping its jaws apart yeah, like, and completely disassembling it? Yeah. Because um, that's the one thing. Like, not keep in mind, gorilla can also bite. Gorilla's also gorilla can, have, yeah. So, so if it can get the alligator on its belly, because the belly's a softer spot. I was going to say, I imagine somehow, like, once the gorilla gets behind it, can it maintain its head, and then what? What's it going to do? Well, it puts its hands over the gorilla's eye. Uh, the, the gorilla puts its, its hands over the crocodile's eyes, or the uh, alligator's eyes. And when you do that, it makes it, it puts it into a docile state. Yeah, sure. I have been to Gator World. I know you have. There was a dude who wrestled a gator, and he taught us that. I just feel like actually that the gorilla is ill-suited for fighting a crocodile of that of that magnitude. I'm so mad that I just said that sentence. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm making you do this. I just said I think that a gorilla <laughs> is ill-suited for fighting alligator of that magnitude. You said That's crocodile. The, I said crocodile. Well, guys, we're using crocodile and alligator interchangeably, yes. and if you have an issue with that, you can write to uh, PO Box. Go fuck yourself. Yes. Uh, that should be the quote of the week of me saying, I think a gorilla is ill-suited <laughs> to fight with a crocodile of that magnitude. I hate myself. I hate myself. Um, so you're, you're starting to think that it's going to be the, uh, the, the... It's an easy land battle. Aladile, yeah, the wolf. The crocodile. The wolf loses to the, to the gorilla, but... It, the wolf's out of it real quick. Even if it was wolf versus crocodile, I still don't know... The cro- oh, the croc wins. The wolf sucks. Yeah, the, the wolf, wolf is dead. The wolf loses regardless. Yeah. And so I'm thinking gorilla versus... Crocodile, I just don't know like what exactly because I've seen a jaguar just completely snipe a fucking alligator or clash slash crocodile. It's amazing. Oh really? They jump down on it and their bites are so so gnarly that they break its neck. The alligator? The the jaguar will breaks the alligator's neck and then just grabs it and takes it out with its by its in its jaws. Just, just takes it? it and just carries it away. What the fuck? It's amazing. I'll show you wow. a video of that. So it's, okay, so then if the if <laughs> but if the gorilla then, because they got some insane bite strength. They do, so. but they don't have the bite strength of a fucking jaguar. You, I disagree with that. I feel like they would. Oh, no. Yeah, jag- plus they've got, gorillas have those fangs too, They do man. have their fangs, but they don't have the bite strength of a jaguar. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not are kidding you. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not kidding you, Cochrane. Yeah, man, jaguars are known for that shit. See, gorillas are just like ground pound, like snap, break, whatever, but I just don't know what they're going to do to the crocodile, so I feel like I have to, unfortunately, give it to the crocodile. You really wanted the gorilla to win this. I one. did. Yeah, I felt like, well, it's easy. It's the gorilla, but no, I just think- with strength and size. But you think that if it if it gets close enough, I think that's the other thing, though. Does the crocodile have how far out from the water does it? Have? Do you think I, it can beat I it on like, dry land? I feel like even on dry land, unless even then, I just I don't know what the gorilla can do to a crocodile. I would say too, if the gorilla can get if it can grab the tail, it can swing that motherfucker into shit too. You're assuming he's strong enough to do that. I would absolutely think it's strong enough to do that. Again, we're talking like equal size, equal giant things. Ah, that's a, that's a big crocodile. You yeah, know? that's a big crocodile. The only other thing I can think of is if it gets behind it and somehow chokes it out, <laughs> okay. wraps its arm under its neck, it's a half Nelson. Somehow in there. Yeah. knows how to like choke it out. Those little arms up yeah. and under the it's thing. Just, yeah. It's just like and it just keeps rolling until yeah, yeah. It, it's out. Like I, I I can't think of a lot of ways that the. So how do you see it playing out then? Do you think the alligator comes up from behind, bites the leg, pulls him off balance? I feel like any appendage that it gets, it's over at that point in time because its bite strength is so big that it's going to grab it, it's going to roll, it's going to twist, and possibly just rip it off. At that point, the gorilla is significantly – it's done at that yeah. point in time. 
And I feel like I, I um, can just see the gorilla just beating the fuck out of this. I'm not saying like the alligator is not going to walk away with a concussion, but I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Never going to play football again. I mean, I'll tell you that much. That gorilla has to land some pretty significant blows on its skull to to like, you know. All right. And it, I, I don't know, man. My I heart, mean, I was initially, I was initially going for the alligator. I got started to think the the uh, gorilla, but I feel like I'm back on the alligator now. Yeah, that's where like, I initially started. I wanted the gorilla to win really bad, but I, I just, do too. I don't, I don't know what it can do. I don't know. I I would say again, you run this through a simulator a hundred times. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be. A, I would say it's going to be a 50-40 split. Like I feel like the alligator is going to come out on top a margin more, but most of the time I feel like. I, I would say some of the time, I feel like the gorilla could have a, a, a solid chance. I feel like you're giving it, and where's that other 10% going? What'd I say? You said 50-40? Oh, the wolf, just in case. Oh, the wolf does not win 10% <laughs> of the time. That's bullshit. Just in case. Just in case? Yeah, well, you how don't about know. 1%? There's outliers, Doug. There's not 10%. It's a flying wolf. <laughs> it's a, a gliding wolf. It's a gliding wolf fox. It's a wolf with, <laughs> it's a wolf with wings for some fucking reason. Right. Um, it doesn't have wings. It has skin tabs, essentially. I I feel like I'd give it more odds in favor of the uh, – even more disparity. I'd give it more to the croc than I would. You'd be like 70-30? Probably something like that. Okay. I'm still going to say the crocodile. Now we're just debating on how many times it would come up in the The crocodile would win. What's that? The crocodile would win. The crocodile would win. Crocodile for the win! Oh, boy. As dumb as that was, that was fun. Yay! So I liked, I liked how you turned that around. Thank you. Uh, just a reminder, guys, uh, Mind Gap uh, brought to you by Elephant and Castle. Very true. Located at 185 North Wabash. That's the corner. Of s- I was going to say State and Lake. That's not right That's at all. Lake and Wabash. Lake and yeah. Wabash. Come on by. Check it out. Harry Potter was filmed here. That's it's right. Worth, it's w- worth a look-see. They got one and done Mondays, 10 up Tuesdays, tins 25% off, wine down Wednesdays. You got discounts on wines, goose dot Thursdays, drafts and bottles 25% off, and you're hitting those Bloody Marys and mimosas for five bucks a piece. On Saturdays and Sundays. Goddamn right, guys. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Uh, Justin, anything you want to promote this week? Anything yeah. Anything you're fascinated with? Uh, two things. Mm. Uh, one, uh, Ballers on HBO. Mm. So, Newsroom was last week. Nice. Ballers is this week. Uh, I love The Rock, man. That guy's fucking cool as shit. Yeah, he is. Um, I, I, I love his work ethic. Um, just what he's built for himself, what he does... What he stands for, I, I think he's a cool-ass dude. Yeah. Uh, so check out Ballers on HBO. Um, it's going into its fourth season, I think, this summer. So nice. it's uh, it's just a fun show. It's Entourage with sports. Nice. That's essentially what – it's got the same vibe as Entourage. Um, it's a cool show. The second thing, uh, speaking of The Rock, uh, Rampage comes out April 13th. Go see it. Doug and I will be there Barf. opening night. I will – no. Absolutely, we will. will not be there. I'm not, uh, I'm not coming into the city to watch that with you. Fuck that shit. You just made me sad. Yeah. Fuck that shit. <laughs> oh, I heard his feelings. What about you, Doug? <laughs> First of all, uh, I'm sad that you're not doing anything on your homework list. Really bumming me out there. I forgot I had a homework list. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I made a homework list for Justin for things to watch, and he's uh, obviously neglected it. I forgot. <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit further into uh, Devilman Crybaby, and whew. Still, still pretty weird, huh? It's some dark shit, man. All right, all it's, right. some, it's some dark shit. There, uh, that's a world where uh, there are some consequences, and uh, people die. And uh, still a little weird too. I'm waiting. I'm like, I kind of got to see how this ends to really fully see if I'm gonna appreciate it. But yeah, there's just some. There's there's a little bit of weird dialogue and some stuff that I'm like, huh, okay. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm 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 anxious to uh, finish it off and see how it ends. So I'll let you guys know. All right. So far, I'm like. 
Yeah, check it out, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let us know what you guys thought about uh, today's episode. Let us know what do you think about empathy. Do you think it's a good thing, bad thing? Uh, are you sure you know what empathy means by the end of this episode? Let us know. I sure shit don't. <laughs> let us know. Reach out to us uh, on our Facebook page. Look for us there. We're also on Twitter at MindGapPodcast. Uh, you can also find Justin in the digital world. Uh, yes, you can. On Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It is the fun way of spelling it. Go ahead and uh, follow me or subscribe or whatever the fuck you do. Um, and maybe you'll get a follow back, uh, hashtag Friday follow back. Mm. I don't know. Um, I would just love to see your faces, your beautiful faces on there. Uh, while you're in the online realm, you can check us out on Insta. I am off my game tonight, on iTunes, yes, on uh, Stitcher and Spotify. On Spotify, you can subscribe to us. You can review us. Let us know what you thought of the episodes. Let us let other people know why they should check us out. If you have nothing nice to say, um, you know, maybe say something nice instead. See how it makes you feel. See if you can empathize with what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Did I use it right? Did I use empathy right? Sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and then also share us around because sharing is caring. On uh, twoeastaith.com slash mindgap, you can find all of our episodes. And twoeastaith.com slash the best bar podcast ever is the other uh, podcast I do with Milos every Monday. Also out of Elephant and Castle. Nice, Justin. I just want to close out by saying I don't think I can ever empathize with you because I've never known a bigger badass than you, and I don't know what it's like to be that. Ooh, Doug. So go fuck yourself. I was waiting for it. <laughs> Yeah! Mind Gap Podcast.